All right, I left off with the dynamics of a footprint. Went through a primary impact point, PIP, foot roll, and terminal point. Uh, this is mostly for humans um, and also for animals with paws. And um, animals with hooves usually have uh, um, two, ho two hoof points uh, or they have a single fused hoof. So characteristics of a gait or characteristics of the human gait. Uh, as a person moves across the ground, and this is true for animals also, their footprints will leave uh, six observable elements. Uh, the characteristics of the gait are stride, straddle, pitch angle, pressure, dwell time, rhythm, and balance. Uh, the measurement of the six characteristics changes depending on the quarry's activity, uh, their speed, the terrain, the load they're carrying, and their physical condition. And the analysis of those six characteristics assists the, the tracker in determining, determining the quarry's um, action indicators. Only through practical application and research can a tracker learn to identify variations uh, correctly. And then through constant usage of your skills, um, a tracker is able to, to determine variations like age, gender, physical condition, physical disability, attempts to hide tracks, carrying a load, pace, weight, stature, uh, mental state, moving day or night, etc. Uh, so some of that's based on observation. Um, and to be a good tracker, you have to really have some good uh, powers of observation. You're, you're, you pay attention you spend a lot less time talking and a lot more time watching and looking at people and watching and looking at animals and noticing things that people do. Um, and that helps you later to uh, improve and develop your, your uh, repertoire of uh, recognition of uh, those different variables of, of, uh, of indicators. Uh, so stride, that's the distance from one footprint to the next in the quarry's direction of movement, uh, left foot to right foot, and it's best determined by measuring the distance between the primary impact points. Uh, an average human stride under normal conditions is approximately about 30 inches. Uh, this changes. Um, you got to take into account uh, stature and height. So in Vietnam, uh, the stride is much shorter and shallower than it would be in, say, Norway. These are two different types of uh, um, general physical stature. Uh, in Vietnam, they tend to be very short, and in Norway, they tend to be very tall. So uh, a man over six feet is going to leave a much longer and and deeper stride and a, a, a Vietnamese man is going to leave a much shorter and a narrower stride. Uh, straddle, uh, that's the distance between the inside edge of the left foot to the inside of the right foot. Uh, if the person's standing still with their feet, feet close together, uh, the straddle is the distance measured between the two feet at the closest point. So this indicates uh, hip size and, uh, and hip uh, hip joint activity. So uh, wide-hipped or narrow-hipped 
So if you come across a, a, a stride that's, uh, it's under 30 inches by quite a bit, uh, you can see a footprint that's, uh, that's, uh, a, you know, very small footprint. It's smaller than you would expect to see for the, a normal footprint of a, a normal sized man for the area. And, uh, you see that the straddle between the two prints is fairly wide. You, you, you're probably looking at a, a fairly heavy set woman with a, a wide hip placement. Uh, and a, a short, a short, heavy set woman with wider hips. Um, the straddle kind of indicates height uh, and some other characteristics like weight and um, athleticism. Uh, you kind of get an idea after a while of, um, an, you can see sort of how the hips and the hip joints uh, move the legs, and this provides the straddle, how the, how the straddle conveys into the footprint. So pitch angle, the orientation of the foot to the line of travel. Uh, a foot that pitches outward is called a positive pitch. A foot that pitches inward is a pigeon toe. Uh, it's referred to as a negative pitch. A foot that remains parallel to the line of travel is called neutral pitch. And that's best determined by estimating or measuring the angle of the foot in relation to the center of the line of travel. Uh, the pitch angle oftentimes indicates things like uh, an unbalanced load that they're carrying, uh, weight, extra weight that they have. Uh, a child, a woman that's carrying a child on her hip or in her arms. Uh, somebody who's carrying um, something with a strap on it on the left side and not on the right side. This uh, causes the outside of the foot to roll over. Um, there's also uh, the, the foot points out or in. Um, this is a this is a type of gait that different people have. Uh, Asian populace tend to have um, pigeon toe. This is a this is a generalization, and it's based on some health physiology. Uh, in some certain areas of the world, and uh, Southeast Asia is a an example of this around Cambodia. Uh, the um, the vitamin, there's some vitamin deficiency and there's some uh, development of things like rickets and, and other uh, physical maladies that develop uh, when the person's born and they, and they continue as the person grows and develops into an adult. And this shows up in things like whether their foot pitches out or their foot pitches in and a pigeon toe. So that it gives an idea of... Uh, it gets a characteristic of a particular type of person and it helps, you know, a particular look to the person. So when you come across a group of people at the end of your, you're tracking uh, one person and you come across a group of people, they're all sitting down and they jump up and uh, they start to walk creatively away. You pick your one guy out because he's a pigeon toe guy. Uh, this is really simplistic, but that's what it helps you do is it helps you 
specify some specific movements, physiological and um, and uh, structural bone skeletal movements that the person makes that are um, translated into their the the track that they leave behind. So pressure, that's the total weight of the, the quarry to include uh, any load that the quarry is carrying. And it's the total weight through the foot, putting the pressure onto the ground. So sometimes that pressure is seen in the heel strike, and sometimes it's seen uh, across the, the foot roll. Uh, oftentimes it's seen most around the ball of the foot, and that's in the foot roll. Um, and then it, it's a little bit evident when they're stepping off uh, in their, um, the, at the terminal point, uh, it causes sort of a, um, a, a, a little ditch to form at the, along where the toe, the terminal point of the toe dug in and pushed off. So that gives an, an idea of, uh, you know, how much weight they're carrying, whether it's body weight or weapon weight or uh, pack weight or a combination of weapon and pack weight, or uh, they're carrying a, a, a huge load of um, sticks or skins that have been tied together and they're carrying it on their head or they're carrying uh, a full-size three-year-old on their back, and also they're carrying, uh, you know, a sack of corn in their arms. Like this, you can you can see some of this. It develops across your tracking picture. Um, the dwell time, that's the amount of time uh, that the foot is on the ground making the print. The longer the dwell time, the better the detail in the footprint. So the, obviously the, the faster the person's moving, the shorter the dwell time is. That's, they're moving as fast as they can. They're almost running. Uh, there's very little dwell time on their footprint. Uh, if they're heavily loaded up with equipment, they're carrying a full pack. They're carrying a full canister of ammunition. And they're also carrying uh, their weapon and possibly two other weapons. Okay, this is a lot of weight to carry. And their dwell time is going to be much slower. They're moving much slower. And you're going to see a lot of difference in their pitch angle because the foot has to accommodate uh, balancing on the terrain and, and, and supporting that much weight, carrying that much weight. And you're also going to see, um, you're going to see a difference in the stride. The stride's going to be shortened. Even if the, even if the person's tall, the stride is going to be shorter because they, they don't have a full. They don't have a full access to their stride because of the weight that they're carrying, and the straddle is going to be different also because they, a lot of uh, military equipment or equipment that's carried by most people rests on the hips or on the shoulders, so uh, or on the head. If it's on the head, it also affects the hips, and you can see the difference in your straddle. Um, uh, evaluation what exactly you know where the load is that they're carrying and you can draw some conclusions about what they're carrying and how much 
how much they're carrying and how fast they're moving with it. And rhythm and balance, uh, rhythm and balance by itself is not an action indicator. Uh, it's a culmination and an, and an interpretation of, uh, of the human gait measurement interacting with the environment. So rhythm and, val- and balance in an observation of a track line that yields a consistent reoccurring pattern or an interruption of an established pattern or baseline. Uh, and it's uh, in forward movement, good rhythm and balance signifies coordinated body function and a sense of purpose and direction. Conversely, a lack of rhythm and balance signifies uh, uncertainty, confusion, or a lack of specific intent. So this is really hard to explain. Uh, If the person is injured, their rhythm and balance is out. They've been shot in the leg. Obviously, their legs aren't going to be in rhythm and balance with each other. So they're not going to be taking a smooth, even stride. They're going to be taking a limping, uh, hesitant stride. Uh, if the person is uh, has been shot in the in the stomach, uh, or they haven't eaten for several days, and they are, um, you know, their their rhythm and balance obviously is going to be is going to be out of balance. I mean, you're not they're not going to be in they're not going to have a rhythmic stride, and it's not going to be balanced. They're going to be hunched over their stomach holding their stomach or uh they're very hungry and they're they're lightheaded they're they're having difficulty uh making decisions and um evaluating their environment and uh moving you know swiftly and with a purpose towards a direct goal they're sort of they're sort of languishing along their trail so this is a, these are types of things that you would notice in rhythm and balance uh, does the person look like they're healthy and they're moving uh, smoothly and um, in full health? Or do they look like there's something affecting them? Sometimes this is a long-term thing. Uh, you know, uh, their bone was broken. Their their leg was broken when they were a child. It was never mended correctly. This is a third world country. It was never mended correctly. So they uh, they have a they have a broken bone in their leg, and this affects their their rhythm and balance. Uh, they're moving normally. They always move that way. They always walk that way. Their rhythm and balance for themselves is normal, but you can see between the expected, you know, ideal rhythm and balance for the uh, for the pattern of footstep. It's um, it's it's it indicates that there's some kind of a problem and you're able to deduce from the um the heel to toe strike of the left foot versus the right foot that one of the legs was broken and and he has he has some kind of a long-term bone injury in one leg or you know he has a back injury it makes it difficult for him to uh, move with proper rhythm and balance for his his uh, physiological description based on his footprint. So observable indicators observable indicators are those changes to the natural state of the environment uh, sought by the the tracker, indicating that the quarry has passed that way. Um, 
Once the tracker becomes adept at recognizing the wide variety of indicators uh, yielded by the ground and terrain over which the tracker is passing, uh, the tracker notices that they form a track line of continuous clues that provide a, a, a tracker with a route to follow. A displacement takes place when anything is moved from its original position. Uh, a well-defined footprint in soft, moist ground is a good example of displacement. Uh, foot gear or bare feet of a person who left the print displaced the soil uh, by the compression in the soil. And then leaving an indication uh, or an indentation indication on the ground. And the tracker can study that sign and then determine uh, several important facts. For example, a print left by worn foot gear or by bare feet may indicate a lack of proper equipment, or it just may, it may indicate that, uh, you know, the person, the person decided to take their boots off. They have their boots with them. They just aren't wearing them. Uh, displacement can also result from clearing a track by breaking or cutting through heavy vegetation with a machete. And those tracks are obvious to uh, even an inexperienced tracker. Individuals can unconsciously break more branches um, as they move behind someone who's cutting the path. So a person carrying a heavy load who stops to rest can also make displacement indicators. Uh, prints made by box edges uh, can help to identify the load. Uh, when loads are set down at a rest halt or at a campsite, uh, they usually crush the grass and twigs. A reclining man can flatten vegetation. And uh, there's different types of, of observable indicators or clues sought by the tracker to, um, to identify what they're looking at. So the observable indicators, uh, ground spore. So marks and impressions of footwear, other body parts or equipment left on the ground by the quarry, that's ground spore. Ground spore can be identified by characteristics of uh, regularity, flattening, and confirmatory transference. And regularity could be the constant uniform tread pattern or the rhythm of footprints. Uh, flattening's the, the impressions that are left on the ground created by uh, pressure from the quarry. And a transference uh, is the unintended movement of spore from its natural location to another surface or object, uh, like muddy footprints across a parking lot. So um, I wanted to go over the specifics of spore again on this uh, to keep it straight. Um, so scat is defecant, and uh, that would be urine or feces. And spore is natural occurring detritus uh, that's left behind as the uh, as the as the quarry passes through the area. So everybody, animals and people, both need certain things. So they need food, water, and shelter. And we talked about this in a much earlier segment. So uh, food. You find food in scat. I, I mentioned that with uh, you might find seeds from berries that were eaten or uh, bits of pine cone or bits of grass or bits of hair from animals that were consumed or bits of bone. Uh, so food is in the scat and water 
all animals and all people need water. So water is uh, necessary to um, digest food, both for animals and people. So water is in scat too. So some scat is wet uh, and it stays wet for a while and then it dries and then it, it dries hard or sometimes it dries soft or sometimes it, uh, it, it dries to a certain consistency and then it flakes away. Um, and shelter. So scat usually isn't found in a shelter. And people, most people don't leave scat in a shelter. And most animals don't leave scat in their den. Uh, that's not always true, but uh, often for most animals, their scat is located outside. So animals and people eat, they drink, they urinate, they defecate, and they sleep. So these are all things that, uh, these are the basic physiological functions uh, that help form a trail. Because what what does a person need to do? They need to eat. So they're going to leave their hideout and they're going to go and find something to eat. Where are they going to go to find something to eat? Are they going to get something that's on the move, another animal? Or are they going to get something that's stationary, seeds and berries? This helps you determine your, your trail to, to, to understand that... Uh, that an animal or a human, they leave one position for another position for a reason. So they might do that to drink. They've, now they've eaten some food, they've eaten some berries, and they're thirsty. Now they got to go get some water. So they're going to go from their location where they ate berries, they're going to go get some water to drink. Even though there's some water in the berries, they need additional water. And then they're going to urinate. So you're looking for signs of urination or defecation. So they digest the food, they urinate, and they defecate. And then <clears throat> when they're not eating or or drinking or urinating or defecating, what do they need to do? They need to sleep. So they're traveling along through an area. Uh, they're trying to get to a specific um, goal, end point. Uh, you know, they're trying to they're trying to reach a certain city. Uh, what are they going to do in between there? At cer certain points, they have to sleep. At certain points, they have to eat. At certain points, they have to drink. At certain points, they have to urinate. At certain points, they have to defecate. And at certain points, they have to sleep. These are certain signs that you are going to see on a, on a trail. This helps you build a trail. This is part of trail sign. So scat is the most basic function of that. And, it, and almost everything that you need to look for is found in a piece of scat. If you pick up animal scat and you look at what's in animal scat, you can see that a lot of clues are in animal scat about where that animal spends its time and where it might be, uh, where it might have a den. And it's the same with people. Uh, you know, when people leave scat behind and they don't bury it, this shows that they're moving quickly. When they do bury it, you can see that they buried it. That's something that disturbs the environment. You can see that that's what they did there. They dug a hole to leave their scat and bury their scat. So that, that cycle of eating, drinking, urinating, defecating, sleeping, 
food, water, shelter, food, water, shelter, eating, drinking, urinating, defecating, sleeping. This builds a trail, and that's what spoor is. So spoor is kind of the extension of scat into those things. Um, scat is sort of the left behind of indication or indicator of those things occurring. So when the person sleeps, their body digests food. When they get up in the morning, the first thing they have to do is they have to go, they have to go urinate and sometimes defecate. So you find an area where they urinate and defecate every day. You know that somewhere nearby, somebody might have a shelter or someone might have a, might have a, uh, a hideout. So this is something to keep in mind with um, the use of the word scat and uh, the use of the word spore. They hardly even use scat anymore. They just use spore for all of it. Um, with humans, uh, spore now also covers all man-made objects. So originally, spore just referred to this, this cycle of eating, drinking, urinating, defecating, and sleeping, and putting those things together to form a trail. But now you have things like, you know, plastic wrappers and candy wrappers and uh, you know, uh, bits of, um, tissue paper, toilet paper, uh, pieces of map, uh, cans, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Instead of just, uh, pieces of hair or skin or, uh, dandruff or that you know, toenails, they've stopped and clipped their toenails, you found their toenails in a pile, that kind of thing. So this goes over at ground spore. Um, so muddy footprints across a parking lot is uh, a good example of a transference from one surface to another. Uh, sometimes it's a, a ground surface to a stone surface. Uh, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, ice to snow, that kind of, there's all kinds of different surface variations. Uh, sign, another um, observable indicator is sign, and that's indi any indicator other than ground or aerial spore. Uh, the movement of the quarry across the environment reveals a color change on a broken surface. So freshly overturned rock reveals a darker, moist under, under, underside underneath, moist soil underneath, and the, the stone itself, of course, it has dirt on the bottom as opposed to on the top where it's, uh, it's smooth and, and uh, um, you know, colored by the elements only. When it's knocked loose, you can see the underside of it. Uh, an overturned rock reveals darker, moist undersoil, just, and disturbance is, a, is any change to the environment out of balance with the surrounding natural state. So broken dirt seals around rocks, mud or dirt moved to rocks or other natural debris, and water moved onto the banks of a stream are good indicators. Uh, dew droplets can be displaced or stones and sticks overturned to show a different color underneath. And changes in the normal life of insects and spider webs may indicate that someone has recently passed. So... Spore is what's left behind, and uh, sign is um, the, the subtle movement of the natural environment 
as it's disturbed. Uh, litter, this is uh, any man-made artifact that uh, was either accidentally dropped or deliberately discarded or hidden, and a poorly trained or uh, fast-moving uh, quarry moving over varied terrain is apt to leave a track of litter. Um, you know, it's difficult to pack things out if you're, if you're, uh, you're eluding a pursuer, uh, you know, you try to bury those or get rid of them so you don't have to carry them because then you have to carry extra weight with you. So it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a problem. You, you reduce your weight by eating rations, but then you have to get rid of uh, the evidence of the rations. So in, in getting rid of the evidence of the rations, you, you, a lot of times you leave litter behind. Uh, unmistakable signs of recent movement are gum or candy wrappers, sunflower seeds, uh, ration boxes or packages, um, remains of fires, cigarette butts, bloody bandages, uh, moleskin from blister treatment, uh, uh, worn through socks, uh, IED and booby traps or landmines. Uh, these are indicators, uh, and they may consist of trip wires or disturbed ground and items of interest uh, to investigate, protruding branches across trails, metal spikes in the ground, unnatural hollows or depression, and spoor left while in placing and, and brushed ground that indicates that uh, the, the dirt or the leaves and, and detritus uh, of the natural environment was brushed back across to, to obscure the, uh, the IED. Um, blood spore, this blood spore is dropped or splashed onto the ground as a result of a wound, and uh, the level of blood smears and the amount of blood indicate the position and severity of the wound. So this is uh, something to watch for with, with animals. If you are uh, if you're hunting, and body waste, any body fluids like urine or feces to deposit on the ground, uh, trees, bushes, or rocks leave a stain, and that leaves any item placed, any item that's uh, vomited. Uh, analysis of feces can also indicate the health of the quarry, so you want to. These are things that came straight from the person, and uh, it's not always the most uh, fun to look at, but uh, it gives you a lot of information about what's going on with the person. Is there blood in the urine? Is there blood in the vomit? Uh, you know, what did they eat? How much are they eating? Is it vile? Is it vomit that has bile in it? So it indicates they're not eating very much. They ate some, they were trying to eat. Uh, um, what was available to them as they passed by and they ate something that, that made them ill. You know, these all give good indications of, uh, they help to build your tracking picture. So the techniques and tools uh, that help a, a tracker better observe the environment um, and operate within it um, are available. Uh, there's some books on this. You can, uh, you can look it up. Uh, in civilian books and military manuals. Uh, you want to maintain um, sort of a, a lexicon of, um, of references of, uh, of these things. As you track one thing, you want to remember your tracking experience 
and and you cross compare it when you track your next quarry and then you have you kind of compare what you saw in your first track with what you see in your second track and so on until after a while you have sort of a a lexicon of of uh a sign and and tracks and things to look for uh that indicates um something that you don't normally see or that's not often seen so that you can recognize it the next time. Uh, so when you start tracking, the first thing you want to do is you want to assess your site. Uh, you have a starting point usually. Um, and you assess what you're looking at and what you're, what you're attempting to do, what you're going to attempt to track, who you're going to attempt to track possibly. And then you want to exploit the available signs, tracks, and clues that are there uh, available at the beginning um, at your at your starting site. And uh, try to put together a basic picture to help inform you as you develop your tracking picture. And then you want to do a band analysis. So um, a band analysis is, uh, you might not always use this in every single circumstance, uh, but it's a good idea to, to try to use it. It gives you an idea of what's going on in the area. Um, so you want to start with a, the top of your band up in the sky. What are the birds doing in the area? Is there, are there any birds circling? Uh, circling birds, vultures and crows and other, uh, other birds that pick up on waste and dead animals. This gives you an idea of uh, where your quarry may have gone to and where they may be. So you want to look to see are there any birds circling? Are there birds scattering out of the bushes up ahead or out of the trees up ahead? Is there a sudden uh, a shift of birds in the trees? Is there a sudden shift of monkeys uh, through the jungle? Can you hear the monkeys off in the distance screaming and and thrashing through the trees? This gives through the through the palm and foliage. This gives you an idea of where your quarry might be in addition to your ground sign. So it's a it's an additional type of sign that's not on the ground. So you have your your um ground sign that's that's specifically trackable and then you have other forms of sign in the area around you that give an idea of what your quarry's doing. Um so then your next you want to you want to look at uh, things like the sky, a uh, horizon to horizon. You want to check what time it is. You want to try to locate where you are in your horizon. Where is the sun? What time of day is it? Uh, are you north, south, east, or west? Are you looking at track that's going north, south, east, or west? This gives you an idea of where your quarry might be headed. Are they headed towards town? Are they headed away from town? Are they headed towards the mountains? This gives an idea of what you're looking at. Uh, you want to look at wind direction because this is going to affect your sign as you go on. If you get up further and you find a piece of trash uh, that's been left behind and it blew from where it was originally dropped, you can't assume that uh, that this relocates your track. You've got you to account for the wind blowing that piece of trash some little distance away from where your original track sign is. And you want to try to relocate that trash. Where did it, where did it, where was it originally? Where did the wind blow it 
from and to. Uh, you want to pay attention to clouds and weather uh, or imminent weather and your available light. This gives you an idea how much time you have to track. How long is it going to be before you can't see your track anymore? How long How long is it going to be before you have to go to MVD? You know, what are you going to, how long are you, how are you going to plan your tracking um, itinerary and schedule as you go based on, you know, what, what your, your, your um, sky sign, your horizon and uh, weather and uh, time sign tells you. So then then your next type section of band would be the treetops or your canopy line or the tree line or canopy gaps. And you want to look for birds or wildlife and the general setting. Um, in uh, a lot of the, the special forces, they use the tree line pretty pretty carefully to uh, obscure their movement. Um, it's shadowed and shaded, uh, and it's easier for them to move through um, a tree line than it is to obviously to move through the open. Most people don't move through the open, but if a person's traveling, if your quarry's traveling quickly, or if it's an animal, uh, they may not have as much of a, um, a concern with traveling through the open, an open field or, or an open meadow. So you want to look at your treetops. Uh, this gives a, an idea of how much the wind is affecting your tracking area. And also it'll give you some ideas as you're going along about things like, is it autumn and our leaves falling? Is it spring and our flowers blowing loose or uh, bits of uh, pollen and so on being blown around? Um, if they are, are you looking at things that the wind blew there or are you looking at things that your, your quarry uh you made changes to the environment as they were passing through. So you want to make a distinction between, you know, what your environment is doing and what your quarry is doing. And the best way to do that is to analyze your, your, uh, your natural environment carefully before you get started. So you want to then look your, the next band is your mid tree line and your cross terrain. So you're looking at fields and cultivated meadows, uh, grazing grounds, uh, scree or rock slags, uh, rock field, scree field, uh, stones or lava fields, um, and, and analyzing those. And, and when they talk about uh, when color and um, some of the specific uh, characteristics of signs, this is what you're looking at is your, your mid line level and your cross terrain which is right through the middle of your site what does it look like and you kind of if you unfocus your eyes and look around you can kind of see that uh, when something moves through that area it changes the way the area looks so the area to the left looks one way and the area to the right looks the same as the area to the left in a certain way that the coloring is all the same but right through the middle where you're where you're your quarry went, there's there's a different color of green. It's not the same color of green. It's a brownish green, or it's a grayish green, or it's a brownish gray. It just looks different. And you can see it's because they've disturbed the leaves and brush in that area. And the things are sort of out of, they're not, uh, they're not naturally um, 
arranged as they would normally be. So then your next band, this is the next, um, would be your long distance, your distance. So you would look long distance. That's uh, as far as you can see horizon to horizon. <clears throat> if you're in a desert, this is all the way to the horizon. You can see all the way out as far as you can see. Uh, if you're talking about a jungle, you use, this is like maybe three feet ahead of you, maybe, if it's not too dense. If you have a trail in front of you, you might be able to see a, some feet down the trail. So it depends on what your environment is like. Uh, you want to look at your long distance, your mid distance, your short distance, and then you want to look for sound and smell. So this is, as you're starting, this is just part of your assessing your site, and it's a part of exploiting your available signs. Um, this gets you started, and when you run into some kind of a problem, you want to stop and go back through this band analysis and see if it helps you reestablish your trail. And then your last, your last band is your most immediate. This is like a knee height or thigh height. That's your top sign. And then right on the ground, that's ground sign. So that gives an idea of what it looks like. And this is for 180 and 360. So you should look at 360 and you should look at 180 and you should look at, you know, depending on where you're at, 90, 90 degree to 90 degree. Um, and you should think of it that way, like a 360, three, three dimension, maybe four dimension since we include time and, uh, and really pay attention to what you're looking at. And then this helps you, this helps you establish sort of a, a natural environmental baseline that gives you an idea of what to look for when you're trying to determine where your quarry went through that natural environment. Um, so there's a bunch of different, we have a bunch of different environments. We have a, the desert <clears throat> De for, so for a desert environment, uh, for a desert environment, you would have, uh, you, your, your bands would be sky and ground sign. There's basically just two signs. You might have a third mid-level that would be your, uh, mountainous or scree but usually it's just sky and ground sign. And uh, you basically have two seasons. You have a dry season and you have a wet season uh, with wind in one and, uh, and wind and rain in the other. So then alpine, you would have sky and ground sign. Alpine is mostly open and uh, it's just got, it's, it's a, very, um, a very sparse and bare environment. And so you would have sky and top sign and ground sign. Uh, the top sign is some small vegetation, and you might have some top sign a bit in the desert too, but not very often, uh, a lot less so. Uh, if you've got quarry that go to, uh, they're looking for stuff to eat, they might disturb the very little ground sign, I mean the very little top sign that there is, that would be, you know, uh, dry foliage. They're eating pieces of dry foliage as they go by. Um, and by dry foliage, I mean, you know, sticks, basically. Uh, so for your alpine, you'd have ground sign and some top sign. Uh, for mountain, you would have sky and top sign and some ground sign and four seasons. Uh, for alpine, you have four seasons uh, very slightly. 
Um, the spring and the autumn seasons are very slight and the winter and summer seasons are, are full on. So for grassland, you have sky and uh, some top sign because it's a lot of, uh, um, it could be grass as high as your waist or grass as high as your thighs or knees or calves or ankles. So that's all top sign. And then some ground sign and uh, grassland usually has uh, four seasons, but three are real strong. And uh, a fourth is a lighter season. Uh, jungle, you have a canopy and uh, very little sky sign. Once you're inside the jungle, you really you can't see through the canopy very well. Uh, but uh, your canopy does provide you with a lot of uh, additional signs and um, and natural uh, habits of the jungle environment around you that help you with your your trail uh it also has top sign and ground sign and uh and a jungle has basically two seasons a wet season and a dry season uh then you have uh for water you have a sky sign and then a surface water sign and uh scent and a waterbed and bank sign. So this is a little bit different. Uh, water is uh, water moves through an area. It's not uh, it's not uh, one surface. It, not one surface. It's a it's a moving surface through an area. So it's got a different type of uh, of characteristics to it. And then Arctic, you have a sky sign and then ground uh, ground sign and some top sign. And basically, you have two seasons. You have frozen season and your and your whatever your other season is sometimes it's a, a lighter frozen season and sometimes it's a, a thawed season with with a, a tundra and a, some basic uh, top sign so that's it I'm out of uh, desert I was going to go through these different sections. I'll go through this on a different uh, on a different segment. I'm out of time for this one, and uh, so that's it.